Good morning. I just want to reiterate uh, what Sam Antock said about the conference and, you know, the opportunity to carve time out of a very busy life and hear God speak is rare. And I would encourage you to do that. But it's, you know, sometimes we think, well, you know, it's a missions conference. So it's got to be for those people who are kind of have a missions box in their life because we live life in boxes, don't we? Here's, here's my family box and then here's my church box and here's my work box. And we have all these different boxes because it seems sometimes life is easier when you can just kind of compartmentalize it. But can I tell you something? God wants to be involved in every box in your life. He doesn't want to be left out of any box. And one of the best ways you can make sure that you are living a whole life for God, inviting Him into every area, is to treat every action like an act of worship. Every action as a parent, every action as a church member, every action in your community, every action even in work. And I want to take the next few minutes and talk to you about this idea. Work as worship. And treating that as an act of worship. Work not just for the benefit of yourself and your family because you get an income, not even just for the benefit of society, but work for the benefit of God. That work is worship. Now, as Christ followers, we can probably all agree, yes, my work is a worship to God. But what does that really mean for me? Because if we really are honest about it, oftentimes work doesn't feel that way. It doesn't look that way. In America, we have this saying, I don't know if you have it here, we call it, thank God it's Friday. Because we look forward to the weekend to get away from work. Can you imagine getting away from worship? If work is worship, should Christ followers be saying, thank God it's Friday? Or should we be saying, thank God it's Monday? Because I get another opportunity to worship God in a way I'll never have in this auditorium on a Sunday morning. What does it mean to say, my work is worship? I want you to open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And there's a passage of scripture here where Paul writes to the church where he's going to explain this to them. Now, you've got to understand something. This was 2,000 years ago, so the economic workforce 2,000 years ago looked much different than it does today. God in, Timothy, in the book of Timothy abhors slavery. He abhorred it in our, uh, my nation's history a few hundred years ago. God is, is abhors that there are 27 million slaves today. 2,000 years ago, he abhorred slavery. That was the workforce. And the church lived quite countercultural. If you can imagine a room about the size of this platform, and in it are men sitting together, slaves and masters together in a room, unheard of in the first century. And they're listening to this letter being read to them as to how they should treat their work. And here's what Paul said in verse 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear. And with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Five verses and five implications for you tomorrow morning when you go to work. Here's the first one. It comes in verse five. If work is worship, then Christ is your true boss. He says, work just as you would obey Christ. Now, let's think about this for a second. We see Christ as our savior, as our counselor, as our healer, maybe as our boss over our morality, maybe our boss over our finances. But as my workplace boss, do you know when you read the creation story in Genesis, 
God created work before He created family. Family is very important, but work is very important to God. It's part of His design. I'll tell you something about my life. I've never had a boss in my life. I know it's hard to imagine, but you know, when I went to university, I was kind of entrepreneurial, so I would buy things, cars, stairs, and then I would sell them for a profit. And that's how I got through university, buying and selling in kind of an entrepreneurial way. Then I went into ministry, and I was two churches, senior pastor, so I was kind of the lead guy, so I didn't really have a boss on staff in that sense. And for the last 15 years, I've led a ministry, so I've never had a boss in my life. When I say that, people get really jealous. Can you imagine not having a boss? Society values the idea of no boss. But listen to me, friends. It is exactly the opposite of God's design. If work is worship, then Christ is my boss because work is how I live out the image of God. And I think we need a new perspective on work. Even as we read through the Scriptures, seeing Joseph... Not just as Joseph in the Old Testament, but the CFO of Egypt. Noah as a shipbuilder and a zoologist. Abraham as a real estate manager. Daniel, who went to Harvard to become the prime minister of Iraq. Luke, who was a doctor. Lydia, who managed the sales of a major company. Jesus spent 85% of his adult life at work. Work. God's design. An opportunity to worship. And we need to redefine how we see work. I was actually thinking about jobs that God did that now He has us do through our work. Follow these. God did creative work. God fashioning the world and revealing Himself through it. If you're a musician, a poet, an architect, you are doing God's creative work. God did providential work. God sustaining life on this earth by providing. If you work for the utilities, if you're a fireman, if you're in the trades, if you're an engineer, if you're a farmer, you are doing God's providential work. God did justice work. God bringing what is right and just to this earth. If you're a lawyer, a judge, a policeman, a supervisor, a diplomat, you are doing God's justice work. God did compassionate work. God comforting And bringing care to people. If you're a doctor, a nurse, a counselor, a social worker, a welfare agent, you are doing God's compassionate work. God did revelatory work. God showing truth. If you're a teacher, a scientist, a journalist, a scholar, a philosopher, you are doing God's revelatory work. Community work. God bringing connection and unity. Wanting to bring people together in unity. If you're a civic leader, I have a friend who owns a restaurant. He sees people coming together, families coming together. He's doing God's community work. God did redemptive work. God bringing His saving grace to humanity. If you're a peacemaker, if you're in ministry in a church, you are doing God's redemptive work. And you may say, Joel, that sounds great, but man, you should meet the lawyer I live next door to. There's nothing godly about the work he does. It sounds good. Work is how we glorify Him. But you know what? The garden and sin messed it all up. Work stopped being worship. And it became drudgery and greed and power and toil to where we say, if I win the lottery, I am out of here. I can't wait for Friday. God's design was that work would be how we would reflect His image. But sin 
In sin, work removed us from God rather than reflecting God through us. Because without worship, work can become idolatry. You can get a different boss. Money can be your boss. Ego can be your boss. If work is worship, then Christ is my boss tomorrow morning. And He sets the standards for how I will work. Here's the second thing He says. Look at verse 6. Paul says, it's like doing the will of God. If work is worship then your kingdom calling can be found in your work. I've noticed something that I don't think is good. A lot of times we have this mindset where we separate what is sacred and spiritual from what we call secular. We have these two different boxes. So when I worship God, when I read my Bible, when I pray, that's sacred and spiritual. Monday, when I'm with all these lousy pagan people, that's the secular thing. And we create this separation in these two boxes. The church sometimes reinforces that. Because we say, if you want to get in ministry, do something in this box. Society reinforces that at times. In your workplace, you work with a lot of ungodly people, and sometimes it doesn't look very sacred in a way. The government reinforces that. Because the government says, you can have religion, but don't bring it into the public forum. Keep it private. And they reinforce this sacred and this secular idea. Even the marketplace reinforces that because we have this idea that wealth distribution, giving your money away, that's kind of a holy thing. But wealth creation, making money, that's a bad thing. But you can't really do wealth distribution without wealth creation. And we have this kind of separation that goes on. And it's wrong because what the Bible teaches is that in your workplace is part of God's redemptive calling. Your kingdom calling can be found right in your workplace, not just in these four walls. I have a friend who's a real estate agent. And in America, real estate, you match the buyer and the seller. He doesn't just see himself as having a job. He has discovered his kingdom calling because he knows how God values shelter and home and how a family, if they have a home where they can live and grow together and what it does for a family. And he spends a lot of time trying to match the right family with the right home. Sometimes he counsels and comforts families who miss out on an opportunity they wanted in a home. He's found his kingdom calling. If work is worship then in your work, you'll discover a kingdom calling that supersedes just plugging in the hours for a paycheck. Look at this diagram. This helps you explain it. There are three areas in your life. There's God's priorities. Here's what matters to God. There's your passions, how He's wired you, what He's gifted you like, what you love to do. And then there are the world's needs. When the world is broken and sin has fragmented it, somewhere in the middle of these three circles, God's priorities, your passions, and the world needs, somewhere in the middle of those three circles, you will discover your kingdom calling in your workplace. I told you about my friend who owns the restaurant. He's not just a business owner. He loves his business. He's very passionate about what he does. But he also realizes that the world has this real problem of being fragmented and disenfranchised with divorce and families falling apart. And he realized in a restaurant, that's where birthdays are celebrated. Engagements takes place. Parents sit down with their kids to talk about life. So he trains his restaurant employees, and he sees his restaurant as a kingdom calling to bring unity and love back to people. He's identified his center circle, God's priorities around family and unity, his passion around the restaurant business, and the world's needs being fragmented. He knows his kingdom calling. That's his kind of work sweet spot. What about you? When you go to work tomorrow, will it be just another day? To punch a clock, get a paycheck? 
Or can there be this idea that says, God, this is my opportunity to worship you. You are my boss. And somewhere in this, I can discover a calling that is greater than just an earthly work. If you're a teacher, your job isn't just to get kids to pass tests, but to see them flourish in character and mind and find in you something special in the Christ-likeness you carry. If you're an artist, you're not just trying to sell art, but you're bringing truth and peace and God's glory to this world. If you're a salesperson, it's not just about marketing and getting a commission, but humbly and joyfully you see what people need and you match them together and they find in you an integrity that they rarely find in anybody who does sales and they discover God's goodness through you. If you're a lawyer, it's not just about billable hours, but it's about bringing God's justice to this world and you reflect His goodness and His righteousness of His kingdom. Martin Luther King said this, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Without worship, work, it's toil, It's pride. It's drudgery. Because there's no sense of calling in it. But our God is such a good God and such a big God that wherever you're at and how difficult it may be where you're at, in there, if you go into it with a sense of, God, this is my worship to you, He will show you the calling that He has that is so much greater than just your daily job. Here's the third one in verse 7. Paul says you've got to serve wholeheartedly. If work is worship, then the Holy Spirit needs to be my CSO. Now you may say, Joel, what's a CSO? CEO, Chief Executive Officer. CFO, Chief Financial Officer. COO, Chief Operations Officer. CSO is my title for a Chief Strategy Officer. The Holy Spirit leads you and guides you. Because wholeheartedly, that word literally means to submit wholly. The Bible says we should worship God. But the Bible doesn't stop there. The Bible goes on to tell us how we should worship God. God is very particular about how He wants to be worshipped. When you go into your workplace, you say, God, this is my worship to you. He says, here's how I want you to do it. Do not think you can worship in the natural. The Bible says you must worship in spirit and in truth. And if you're going to go into your workplace and you're going to really worship God, it will take an infilling of the Holy Spirit to do that. You cannot do it in the natural. Some of you guys work with some really nasty people, don't you? Some really ungodly people, some people who are not very nice, some people who in some ways may even be out to get you. And I'm not even talking about the pastors on staff at the church right now. (laughs) And you say, I'm going to go into this workplace and I'm going to worship God in my own natural ability. I will never be able to do that. Tomorrow morning, before you walk into that workplace, you say a prayer. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the power and the grace to rise above my human effort, to see people differently as you see them, to have a confidence and a faith and a hope that you could use me, to rise above the the difficulties and the problems that are here. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit then leads you, and oftentimes He leads you in your workplace in worshiping Him in a way that is contrary to your workplace. So you have people in your workplace who stab each other in the back in order to get the promotion they want. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not going to do it that way. You're going to do it God's way. You're going to serve in an unbelievable way. And people are going to go, what is he doing? What is she doing? 
the Holy Spirit will lead you in a different way of integrity. And that will be a worship to God and a statement to your workplace. But you can't do it out of your own energy. Because some of you are here and you've tried. And you failed. And you know how that feels. God says, listen, step back and don't try to just do it on your own. If work is worship, then worship me in spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me that I could truly worship you tomorrow morning when I'm outside of these four walls. There's a company in America called Hobby Lobby. They're a retail store for crafts. And if you're going to have a retail successful store, a retail store in America, you need to trade on Sundays. It's owned by a Christian family. And they felt like the Holy Spirit had guided them when they started their business that they should uh, be closed on Sundays. So that all of their employees, most of whom are not believers, would have the day off. If they wanted to go to church, they could go to church. Many people looked at this, you know, kind of corporate strategy and said, you're going to fail miserably because you are a retail trading company and Sundays is when all Americans shop. You have to be open. They said, no, we feel like the Holy Spirit led us to do this. If work is worship, then the Holy Spirit is my chief strategy officer. And I follow what he tells so they began to do it and they stayed closed on Sundays. And here's what they discovered in an industry where profit margins are very narrow and it's very competitive. And what really makes a store flourish is the manager of that store. They found out that they could hire the very best managers because the very best managers were men and women who had families and had more on their mind than just making money. And they wanted to work for a company that they would always know they had Sundays off. They could be with their children. So they were able to hire the very best managers. And that company has flourished $3 billion in sales with very little long-term debt. Why? Because they followed the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not be a business owner. Tomorrow morning, you have the opportunity to be able to say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Let me follow your leading so that this day, as I interact with people, as I live out my work life, it will be a worship to God. Because without worship, work will become human effort and not grace. And I'm aware, I'm aware that some of you are in very difficult environments. Have a faith. And hope that the very Spirit of God, who is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-present and dwells in you, will lead you and guide you. And you'll discover more of Him than you ever have as you worship Him through your work. Here's the fourth one. Verse 8, Paul says, The Lord rewards each for whatever good they do. If work is worship, then measure the return on your investment eternally. Here's what I mean by that. You know, when you work, you get a return on your investment. You work, you get a paycheck. Oftentimes, when you work, the return you get is not just based upon your own work, it's based upon the people you work with. If you and your co-workers, if your co-workers don't work well, the business doesn't flourish, nobody gets a raise. If you're on a team and you work hard, but they don't work hard, then you don't get that commission you were hoping for. Much of your return on an investment is based upon those around you. And sometimes that can be incredibly frustrating when you're working with people who don't carry the same work ethic you do. But what Paul says here is that's not how it works with God. He rewards each one for their work. That with God there is a promise that even if you work in a place where your co-workers don't measure up, there is a reward that comes from God. No matter where you're at, no matter what position you have, no matter what vocation you're in, no matter whoever you work with, He rewards each one. And you've got to ask yourself, if my work is worship, how do I handle these rewards? Because God rewards you in one of three ways. 
He rewards you materially. You get a paycheck. You get commission. He rewards you by your work. And you get money. And that money pays for bills. And He provides for you. He rewards you internally. You grow in character. As you work in worship to Him, you grow in your faith. You grow in your character. You grow in joy and in hope. And you see yourself growing. And there's a reward in that. But there's a third way He rewards you. And that is He rewards you eternally. He doesn't just reward you materially. He doesn't just reward you in character, but the opportunity exists to be rewarded eternally. If work is worship, you've got to ask yourself an honest question. How much of my work am I basing on wanting to be rewarded materially or internally? But how much of my work am I being based on wanting to be rewarded eternally? That if I go to my work this week and I say, God, this is my worship to you. How do I measure what I do by wanting to be rewarded eternally? Not just by the commission, not just by the paycheck, but by how God uses me in my workplace. And if work is worship, you've got to measure some of the return on your investment eternally, not just temporarily. Because without worship, work becomes temporary and material. That's why I think everybody should go to New Zealand and beyond. Because if you have a hard time at work, Living it out as a worship to God, where your investment in work is going to be rewarded, not just by a paycheck, but by the other side of heaven. You need God to say something to you. You need God to fill you with the power. You need to carve out time to say, God, this is about my work. It's not just about funding a missionary or my church. This is about my work, 40, 50 hours a week. I need you to speak to me because I want the return on my investment, not just to be the paycheck, not even just to be the character, but I want it to be eternal. How could you look at your work today and say, you know what? There's a reward for me in heaven because of what I've done Monday through Friday. We don't think of it that way oftentimes. We think of there's a reward for me in heaven because of what I gave in the offering on Sunday. Because of how I volunteered on Sunday. Paul says, listen, your work is a worship. When you go to work, God gives you a... Uh, when you go to work, you sign an employee contract. Your, your business you know, will give you a contract and they'll show you, here's what you're supposed to do. Here's what we give you. And they give you arrangements around your income and your salary. And you sign that contract. God does the same thing with us. He gives us the contract. And he says, here, sign it. But it's blank. Yeah. We say, God, no, no. Well, what, what do you want from me? And what, what are you going to give me? No, no, it's blank. Do you trust me? Do you trust me that I'm going to give you a blank contract and I want you to sign the bottom so you say, God, wherever you have me, whatever you have me do, it's a worship to you. Then the return on your investment is eternal. How do you see your work? Tomorrow morning, when you get up, is there this thought, thank God, it'll be Friday in five days? I think God wants us to say, thank God it's Monday. Because I get a chance to worship God in a way I will never be able to worship Him in this church on a Sunday morning. And if that's difficult, understandably difficult for you to say, God wants to bring you along to a place where you can say, this is my worship. He is my boss. In this there is a kingdom calling that He's going to help me discover. And it's going to be because the Holy Spirit gives me a grace and I'll be so much more aware of His presence when I see my work as worship. Wow, I'll just be so in tune with God. And in doing that, there's a reward in heaven, not just an earthly reward that He promises me. But there's one more piece to this that becomes important. Look at verse 9. Paul says, listen, your Lord, master or slave, doesn't matter. There is no favoritism with people. If work is worship... 
then how you engage people is the priority. Now, I've been in enough work environments to realize that that is just so far from the truth. That in most work environments in society and in the world, there is quite a difference in who is who. Not all people are equal. Not every life has equal value. If somebody can get me the promotion, that's who I'm going to come up next to. If somebody may stab me in the back, that's who I'm going to stay away from. If somebody's job is just to sweep the floors of the office, they mean nothing to me. And in a workplace, people have much different rankings. God says, no, no, in the kingdom, when you go into your workplace, if it's worship, you see everybody the same. Every life has equal value. Whether it's the CEO or the street sweeper, doesn't matter. They all have equal value. And you bring that to your workplace. That is your mission. Most people see work in one of two ways. Work is good and I, I really get energized by it. Or work really stinks and I hate it and I can't wait to win the lottery. And you know what determines that almost all the time? People. 68% of people quit their job for one reason. Bad managers. People. God brings you into a place where there are people of all different kinds of backgrounds and all different kinds of situations. And if work is worship, people become the priority for you. That you see them with a much different set of eyes. Do this for me. Just think of somebody you work with. Tomorrow morning, you'll see. Think of their face. Think of their name. Some of you are thinking of somebody who's just... You're hoping you won't see them tomorrow morning. Maybe they'll be sick and they'll have a decent day at work. They're the reason God puts you there. Because they have equal value in God's eyes to you. He loves them. So he puts you in that. And if work is worship, that's how we have to see these people. And God positions you with people to be able to have such a kingdom influence in their life. But none of this matters in your workplace if you don't have character. If you don't carry the Christ-like character, if you look like everybody else at the workplace, then it's not genuinely going to be worship. I was a going to church one Sunday just to attend and I was driving in my car and as I was pulling into the church parking lot there was a car in front of me with a husband and wife and they were in the front seat and they were fighting like cats and dogs. They're pointing fingers at each other. You could tell they were screaming. You couldn't hear it because the windows were shut but they're just going at it like cats and dogs. Worse than my wife and I would so they was bad. You know, they were just... And I'm kind of laughing as I'm watching this, you know, because, you know, maybe it's not funny, but it seems humorous to me. So, so they pulled into one of the parking spots for church, and I pulled in like three spots away because I was afraid the car would blow up or something. They were really intense fighting going on. But then the funniest thing happened. They get out of the car, and all of a sudden, everything changes. They gently close the door. They have these big smiles on their face. They grab each other's hands, and they walk into church. And I'm walking behind them just laughing because they're like, hi, hi. And I thought to myself, you know, you can fool us here for an hour and a half once a week, but you cannot fool the people you spend eight hours a day with. If work is worship, then we carry this Christ-like character. And here's what the character is. The Bible says there are three things that always have to line up. The, 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 The conviction of your heart, what you truly believe, The words of your mouth, what you say, and the actions of your life, what you do. Those three things, what you believe, what you say, what you do, those three things always have to line up. If they line up, then you are walking in Christ-like character. 
Some people may or may not like it, but you're walking in that Christ-like character. If any time one of those gets out of sync, so what you say isn't what you do, or what you do may not be what you really believe in your heart, when those get out of sync, you don't then walk in that character. God's positioned you in a place where if you see your work as worship, so you say, Holy Spirit, fill me that I can walk in a Christ-like character, you will amaze people around you. The Bible promises they will discover the Father's goodness. Because of you. Because of the worship you are giving him. I have a friend who's a nurse. and Being a nurse in America is a very, very hard job. It's uh, long hours. Uh, it's tough, difficult work. Doctors usually don't treat nurses very well in the hospitals. And nurses are always fighting for what shift they can give. And so it can be really kind of a, a, an ugly place to work. But she chooses, this is my worship, my kingdom calling. This is, Christ is my boss. And Holy Spirit film, and she goes in and she walks and works in a much different way. And whenever her fellow nurses have a difficulty, a trouble, guess who they call? Guess who they pull over and say, could we have a cup of coffee together? She has brought nurses to church. She has seen nurses get saved simply because she knows my work is my worship to God. I have a friend and he owns a business on the south side of Chicago. He imports tea and then he packages and sells it to restaurants. But he purposely put his plant in an area on the south side of Chicago that is one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in America, where 40 to 50 percent of the young male population are unemployed and will probably end up in prison. And he did it because although he wants his business to succeed, which it does, his primary bottom line is, I want to hire these young men and give them a job and three years so that I can get them to get their high school diploma, get them in the training they want, and send them to the job they really want to have. That's part of their vocation. And when they get hired, he says, listen, you're not here for a long time. You're here for three years, and if you work well, then you will not only get paid well, but you'll get your training, you'll get your high school diploma, you could get your college diploma, and you will get into the vocation you want. And he has helped hundreds of young men get off the streets and into their careers. Why? Because he knows his work is his worship to God. What about you? Tomorrow morning. You know, we worship God wonderfully today. The musicians, the music, His presence. I love worshiping God on a Sunday morning. But tomorrow, you have a very unique opportunity to worship God in a whole other way. You have an opportunity to worship Him in a way you will never have in here. It is God's great gift to you. And if it's difficult, boy, again, don't miss out on this week. Come to whatever sessions you can to let God speak to you about God. My kingdom calling, my mission, my work is a worship to you. And I need my mind renewed. I need your Holy Spirit to give me a faith and a hope. I need a compassion for those people that I work with who are making my life miserable. I think as Christians, you know what we should say? Not thank God it's Friday. We really should say, thank God it's Monday. Because I have an opportunity to worship. And if that's tough for you to say today, that's okay. But I would love to close by just saying a prayer for you. For all of you who are going to get up tomorrow or this afternoon and tonight, and you're going to have to go to work See it as your place of worship, as much as you see this building as your place of worship. Christ is your boss. Your kingdom calling is discovered there. The Holy Spirit will fill you and empower you. A reward in heaven awaits for your time at work. 
and people. People are what matter. So he puts you there. And he says, worship me. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Lord, we thank you for the gift of work. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but we, in faith, we thank you for that gift. The opportunity to worship you in a very unique and powerful way. Would you renew our mind by your word and by your grace? I pray for each person here who today or tomorrow will go to work. Would you give them a new perspective, a new faith, a new hope? Help us to see that opportunity to worship you, Lord God. I pray for those who are in really difficult situations. Difficult co-workers, underpaid, and see it more as drudgery and toil, Lord God. Would you fill them with your Holy Spirit? That against any natural reasoning, there would be a sense of your presence and your calling. Would you give them eyes to see those people as your people that you have sent them to, Lord God? As we worship you through our work, would we discover your mission in our lives? And I do pray, Lord, that you would you know, make a way for many of us to be here over these few days of this conference. Speak to us uniquely and powerfully, Lord God. That work would no longer just be a job, but it would be a glorious moment to worship You and be in Your presence. I thank You, Lord God, for this church, for each of these people. Bless them and lead them into worship through work. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.